0: be praying for them and their family, uh, they had a death in the family this weekend, and so they went back to Kentucky and uh, we want to be praying for them as they travel and as they go through uh, spend time with family at this time and their their life there mourning the loss of a loved one so we want to be praying for Pastor Greg and his family as they travel back to us as well i want to I want to introduce to you the message today we 're going to be in luke 's gospel again luke 's gospel chapter fifteen but i want to I want us to hear the text from a creative way. Is that okay? So I want you to look at the screens, and we're going to watch as we hear the text read this morning.
1: Jesus also told them another story. Once a man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Give me my share of the property. So the father divided the property between his two sons. Not long after that, The younger son packed up everything he owned and left for a foreign country where he wasted all his money in wild living. He had spent everything when a bad famine spread through that whole land. Soon he had nothing to eat. He went to work for a man in that country and the man sent him out to take care of his pigs. He would have been glad to eat what the pigs were eating but no one gave him a thing. Finally, he came to his senses and said, My father's workers had plenty to eat, and here I am starving to death. The younger son got up and started back to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt sorry for him. He ran to his son and hugged and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against God in heaven and against you. I'm no longer good enough to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, hurry and bring the best clothes and put them on him. Give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Get the best calf and prepare it so we can eat and celebrate. This son of mine was dead, but has now come back to life. He was lost and has now been found. And they began to celebrate.
0: is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for for different ways to get the word into our hearts. And uh, God, I'm thankful that we can hear this story that you told Jesus to us, to your disciples. May you speak to us today once again as we look at this story. May you speak to our hearts. May you have freedom to share with us what we need to hear today. And may we have ears to hear it, but God, I pray that you give us courage to be obedient, to do something with it. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your outlines out. Grab a pen or a pencil. Here's how you're going to take notes today. You're going to draw a picture. You're going to illustrate this story. Because this is a story that if you've been in church you know, any amount of time, most likely, you've probably heard this story—the story of the prodigal son, the story that Jesus tells about the lost son coming home. Now, this story, to give you a little, to give you a little background, is just one of a few stories that Jesus tells on the same topic. And I want us to—I want us to kind of just walk through this today uh, together, if you will. I just have a couple of questions that I want you to be thinking about through the course of this message that I believe that God wants us to to be aware of today. The first question is this. What do you want? What do you want? And the second question, the second question is this, what do you need? What do you need? Wants versus needs. Now, I've I've been a pastor long enough that I've actually preached on this text numerous times. And and as I was preparing this week, it would have been easy for me to just go down I, I, in my office, you'll notice I'm just this is all the notes I have. I was not allowed to type notes this week, Uh, I wasn't allowed to to really expand on it. So, we're just going to tell the story because here's why I believe Jesus wants us to just really grab the truth of this story to help us right now. All in favor say aye. Great, I'm so glad for that. Let's let's pick this up, let's start this and just walk through this together. Isaiah or Luke chapter 15. Verse 1 says this it says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. If you think about that for just a minute. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the rabbi. He's the one that people are attracted to because he's doing things that have never been done before. Jesus is teaching truth and he's going around and he's and he's sharing with people the truth of why he's there. He's on mission. And Jesus is on mission, and he's sharing this truth with people. But then he's also doing these incredible miracles. He's healing people. He's making blind people see, lame people be able to walk. He's feeding hungry people. He's doing a ton of different things. And so people start following, even people that don't know Jesus. Now, if if you study what it means to be a tax collector, and in this translation it says, other notorious sinners... This means that even people that didn't believe in what he was doing wanted to hear what was going on. That's pretty cool. So Jesus is spending his time with people who aren't church people. Let me say that again. Jesus is spending his time with people who aren't church people. Amen? He knows he's on mission. This made the church people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, if you jump down, he he tells these other stories first, the story of the uh, the sheep, the lost sheep, and the story of the lost coin. But then he drops down, verse 11, it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. So it got me to thinking this week, Jesus was telling stories. Jesus was able to go to these people. He had large crowds, and, and at this time, the, the only scrolls that people had, the only scripture, the only piece of God's word that people had was in the synagogue. It was in the temples. And so when Jesus is out in the, in the mountain and he's out on the hillside, he doesn't have the scripture to read from. And, and most of these people couldn't even read it anyway because they weren't able to. So Jesus then knows that he's got to bring the truth of God's word and what the message is for them, and he's got to bring it down to a place that we can understand it today. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that we don't serve a God who's way off in some distance, that is that is way beyond our comprehension, that we just can't get it. Jesus not only tells one story, he doesn't only tell two stories, he tells three stories about the same topic. Again, I say to you, and you know this about me if you've been coming to church long enough, if Jesus does something repetitive. We better pay attention. Amen? Jesus tells this story for the third time. And he says this, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Let me give you a little background there. Basically what's happening is, if, if a son came to their father at this time and in this, this generation, if they came to their father and said, You know what, Dad? I don't, I don't want to wait any longer. I don't want to wait for you to die. I want you to give me what's mine now. What they were basically saying, and this is not from my interpretation, this is what the smart guys that wrote the big book said, they, they said that this was basically this son coming to his dad and saying to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Why? Because that means I can have what I want. There's that first question. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? There's many times in our lives where we get selfish. This younger son was selfish. He wasn't even first in line. He was second in line. So he was probably nervous that he wasn't going to get a share. But he decides, you know what, Dad? I wish you were dead. I want what I want. Can you give it to me now? Now, this causes, causes a lot of shame in the area when people were to, If they were to find out that this happened, this would cause the father a ton of shame. His social status, his, his reputation in that community would be shocked. It's like, bud, you can't even keep your own house in order. Your kids are wanting to get out. And so he, he's facing a lot of shame here. And the, the father, I can imagine what he wants is not the same as what the son wants. So the, the younger son asks him, he tells him, you know what, I want my own share, give it to me so I can go and do these things. Verse 13, a few days after this, the younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So the son goes, he takes his stuff, he goes, I know right where I'm going. There's a city that I've never been to. There's this stuff that's going on there that I've never done. There's things that, that are going on there that I've only heard about. It's wild, it's crazy, it's exciting, it's fun. Do you know what the Bible says about that? It says that sin is fun for a season. Do you know that? The Bible tells us that sin is fun for a season. That means that sin is enjoyable. Wow, it just got quiet in here. If you are a Christian today, if you're following Christ, and you came from a life of sin, most likely if you thought back to those times when you're living in sin, it was fun. It was enjoyable. But its Bible is very clear that it says it's only for a season. This young man's season ran out real quick, didn't it? He gets his money, he goes out and he starts wild living. He goes and does all the things that he wants to do. And he spends all of his inheritance. How many of you have ever had your parents tell you, you know, you get a little money in your pocket and they say, don't go spend it all in one place. Anybody ever heard that? He went and did that. Yeah. There's a reason our parents tell us not to do that. It's because they're wise and they know better. (laughs) Amen? He goes and he spends his money on what he wanted. You see, so it it begs the question for us today. What do you want? What do you want? I think there's some meaning behind that question. I think one of the first things that's behind that question is there's a selfish spirit in us that we want what we want and nobody's going to stop us. We want what's going to make us happy. We want what's going to make us feel good. We want what's going to make us have the desires of our hearts. And we try to do everything we can in our own power to get what we want. What do you want? What do you want today? There's times in, in my life where there's certain things that I think about, and I'm like, boy, it'd be nice to have that. It'd be nice to have that. It'd be nice to do that. It'd be nice to whatever it may be for you. I think it's important for us to realize that having wants is not a bad thing. Having wants is not a bad thing. How we go about getting those wants, we need to be careful about. We need to be careful about. This younger son, he went out and squandered everything he had. He spent all of his money on wild living. And then he needed money. He needed money to live. And so he goes out, and I can imagine, it doesn't give us detail of this, but I can only imagine in my mind what wild living really meant. Wild living, most likely, was many different types of sin. Many different types of sin. Well, why do you say that, Pastor B.J.? I think it's, it's, it's wild living with sin because sin is the only thing that can separate us from the Father. Sin is the only thing that can separate us from his love and his grace and his forgiveness. And if we don't deal with the sin issue, we're going to continually be separated from God. And I believe as this younger son left his father, he willfully made a choice to go away from what was comfortable and what was prepared for him, to go out and spend his money on the things of self and flesh and sin. And what did it do? It separated him. Not only did it separate him from his earthly father, he then spends all his money, so then, now he's separated from the resource that his father gave him, and he has absolutely nothing. He has absolutely nothing. But here's another desire that we want when we ask that question. What do you want? I believe this son wanted freedom. He wanted freedom. He was the younger of two sons, the Bible tells us, the story tells us. And most likely, the younger son is probably getting the the worst chores, most likely. He's probably having to do a little bit more that he didn't really want to do, and he's thinking, you know what, if I can just get out of here, I can be free to do whatever I want. I can be free to do whatever I want. That really is is another root of that question. What do you want? What do you want? Most likely, when we answer that question, we think, you know what, I want freedom. I want independence. I want to do what I want to do. And this young man went out, and he did what he wanted to do. He got what he wanted to, to get, but it wasn't satisfying. He gets a job, as we read. He gets a job taking care of pigs. Now, I know some of you can personally relate to that. Amen? No? <laughs> we have some pig farmers here. We know what that's like. We know what it's like to work with pigs. And this, this young man goes in and gets a job. He thinks he's going into a place, as the, the little illustration showed us, as a, a big company, a big farm, and he thinks he's going to get a good job and be able to, to have some more money to live the way he wants to live and get what he wants. And yet the farmer says to him, I want you to go and feed the pigs. Go out there with those dirty, smelly creatures that just roll around in the mud. They just, they just eat, sleep, and get dirty. And you go out there and take care of them. So he goes out there. He has nothing to his name. He has nothing to eat. And he's starving, the Bible says. He's starving that even the pig's food looks good to him. How many of you are looking forward to lunch in just a few minutes? How many of you are going to go eat pig slop for lunch? I don't see any hands. Most of us don't want to go eat what the pigs are eating. Most of us don't want to go and have that. But this guy was so low, he had everything he wanted, and now it's gone that even the pig's food looked good. I don't know about you, but that changes. What I want, I don't want pig food. What I want, I don't want to be taken care of like the pigs are taken care of. I want something more. And then we see that he, he gets a light bulb moment. He gets a light bulb moment in this story. And he realizes, you know what, I left my father's estate. I was shameful to him. I was rude to him. I made him give me something. I, I, I ruined his reputation. But I know that the servants at my dad's estate are treated so much better because my dad is a dad who loves them and cares for them that even the lowest servant there has enough to eat. And this is the, this is the key part. This is the key part. Because the son knew he needed to change. Have you ever heard about having a U-turn moment? We talk about it a lot in the Christian life where where we think about we're going one way and we're living for self, and then we have that crisis moment where we have to make a decision. We're faced with the truth that, guess what? God loves you. He died for you. He wants you to live for Him. He wants to forgive you of all your sins so you can go to heaven and be with Him. He wants that for you, and we're faced with that moment, that crisis moment where we have to decide, am I going to keep living for self or am I going to make a U-turn? And at this moment... This son had started living for self. He went off into a foreign country. He spent all that he had. He wanted what he wanted, and he faces a moment of crisis, and he has to make a decision. And he decides to make a U-turn. He decides to go back to his father. As we go on in the story, we read that while the boy was still a long ways off, The Father did what? Ran to Him. You see, we ask the question, what do we want? And Jesus asks the question, what do you need? What do you need? You see, the loving Father saw the Son out in the distance. And he ran to him. There's so many things that are going on here. I could preach another eight-point sermon on this one thing. I'm not going to do it today, okay? But here's, here's a few things that I want us to see about the Father that I think are important. The Father was very, very patient. The Father was very, very patient. I want to tell you the next thing here because they go together. The second thing the Father was is he was very, very compassionate. Compassionate. So those two things go hand in hand. And as I was studying it this week, I thought, you know what? I have been accused of not being very compassionate in my life. I'm kind of a black and white type of person. I'm a rule follower. If it should be this way, it needs to be this way. Then if you don't do it, then you get what you get. You know, that's just how it is. I'm not very compassionate at times. And I'm really not compassionate if I have to be patient. Anybody else like that? Am I alone in that, or is anybody else like that? Here's the thing. Think about this for a minute. The son goes off. The dad has no clue where he's going. He just took all his money. He's gone. And the father sits there and waits and waits and waits. The longer he waits, I can only imagine the thoughts that are going through his head. Some, some commentaries and some, some people suggest that the father did probably send out search parties, try to find out where his son went. Um, that's the compassionate part, the loving part. But all of that is trumped by his patience. We, we pick it up in this part of the story where the father is patiently sitting, waiting. We get this, this imagery, as you saw in the video as well, that the father is looking out the window. He's looking out on the horizon just to see some movement. If he can just see some movement, that it might be his son coming home. And he's so patient. I don't know about you, but the longer I have to wait for something, the less compassionate I get. The longer I have to go wait on opening day for my Dairy Ripple ice cream, the less compassion I have for the workers behind the counter. And this week, God has helped me because I was studying this too. (laughs) What can we learn? We can learn to be patient and compassionate. I didn't have to wait as long as the teens did Wednesday night. But as I stood there and waited, and, and our kids got restless and cranky, I just kept thinking, God, you were patient with me, so I can be patient with them. And as I got up to the front counter... I got up to the front counter and I thought, you know what? I'm so glad that they got to serve me. And I was so thankful that they got my order right. And I was willing to wait even ten more minutes. It wouldn't have mattered. Why? Because I knew they were busy. I knew they were going through stuff. I knew they had a long day. But I knew that they were there to serve me. I was patient. I was compassionate, just like the father was to his son. He was patient. He waited. And when, his son, when he saw his son off in the distance, he ran to get him. He ran to get him. In other words, he went out there and said, you know what? I'm going to finish this trek with you. You're not going to go alone. You're not going to come in alone. You're not going to be shunned. You don't need to worry about what we're going to do and how we're going to treat you. I'm going to come to you, get you, and bring you in. Why? Because I love you because I want you home. I know you wronged me. I know you messed up, but I want you here. The father was compassionate. (laughs) Then the father showed forgiveness. He showed forgiveness. He sees his son there. He says, Give this young man a ring and a robe. Go kill the fattened calf. We're going to have a feast. In other words, we're going to party. Forgiveness. You see, the son came to the father and he said, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me half of what's coming to me, or give me all of what's coming to me, half your estate right now. This son had no rights to anything that was left over. This son had no rights to any money, any, any, any material possessions that was left over. He had no rights to it. He'd already gotten his. But this ring signifies something very important. Many of you know there's, a, there's things in our world that we use as currency called credit cards. Some of you have them, some of you don't. If you don't have a credit card, maybe you have a line of credit at the bank. Maybe you have a home equity line that you can borrow to do home improvements, whatever it is. You have some agreement, maybe even if you have a checking account, those little paper things they give you, that's an agreement that there's money there for whatever you write that check for that's going to cover it, right? There's an agreement. There's, there's something there that says you are good for what you're doing. And so when this father gives the ring to his son, this is the family ring that says, you know what? Anytime you show this ring, it's as if I'm covering the cost for you. Can you imagine that? He had just basically told his dad he wished he was dead. And now his dad is giving him access to the whole kingdom again. Wow. What is that? That's forgiveness. He comes from a long way off and he says, Father, I'm sorry, even your servants are eating well. I was wrong. I wronged you and I wronged our family and I'm sorry. And he says, stand up, boy. Give me a hug. Here's a ring and a robe and we're going to have a party because you were lost and now you're found. Because you were dead And now you're alive. That's forgiveness, folks. That's forgiveness. The Father is patient. He is compassionate. And He wants to give us forgiveness. And the fourth thing that we need to learn today from the Father is that He loves extravagantly. Extravagantly. This guy just didn't... He didn't go out and just get some chicken in the coop and some eggs to make some breakfast for his son. He got the best cow, the best food, the best robe, the best table, the best entertainment, and he threw a party, an extravagant party. Why? Because his dead son was now alive. (laughs) This is the part of the story that I don't completely understand. I don't completely understand it because I know what I've done to my Heavenly Father. I know that I've answered that question, what do I want? And I've lived for self, and I've gone out and I've gotten what I want. And sometimes I did it without even caring what other people were dealing with next to me. But as soon as I turned around, the love of the Father was so extravagant, was so over the top, was so undeserving that I just don't understand it but I'm thankful for it. Amen? And I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter where you're at in your journey, no matter what you're going through, no matter if you've said there and you've shook your fist at God and you said, Dad, I wish you were dead. And you realize when you get out there, you can't do it on your own. It's a little bit harder than you thought. And you make that turn. And you put your tail between your legs and you wish you didn't have to go face the music. But the Father is there with open arms. (laughs) And He says, I love you. I love you so much that I died for you. I love you so much that I would give you anything you need because you are my prized creation. The Father loves extravagantly. The Father loves over the top. The Father's love is immeasurable. Aren't you glad for that today? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to keep living for self? Do you want to keep trying to get things on your own strength and in your own power? Well, Jesus is here to say, I know what you want, but I also know what you need. You need to make a U-turn. Come back home, because I want to love on you. I want to give you everything that you lost. I want to restore your life. I want to make it right. I want to love you. Aren't you glad for that? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to pray in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but I want to invite you to to just take a moment right now in the quietness of this moment and just... Would you just ask God a question? Would you just ask God in your, own, in your own conversation with him? God, what is it in my life that I need from you? What is it that you know that I need that I don't see right now? Sometimes in these conversations with God, we get too busy talking to him that we forget to listen to him. I want to ask you just to kind of quiet your heart and say, God, what is it that, that I need today? And maybe you're out there today and, and God's speaking to your heart and saying, you know what? I know that you need to be spending more time with me this season. I know that you're getting so busy that you just need to kind of hit pause for a minute. Spend time praying. Spend time in the word. Spend time growing closer to me. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're at a different place in the journey today. Maybe you're at a place where where you have been following the Lord and you have come back home and you accepted his love and his forgiveness and you're living for him, but he asks you to do a little bit more. He's saying to you, you know what you need? You need to be willing to serve me when I ask you to serve me. You need to be willing to go and talk to that person that you haven't talked to, that you've skipped over because you just don't want to have the conversation. But I need you to need them to come to me. And he needs you to go deeper still. Maybe that's you today. But maybe you're here today and you haven't made that U-turn yet. You've been saying, you know what, God, I know what I want. I'm out there getting what I want. I'm out there doing what I want to do. I have freedom. I'm living the wild life. I'm doing everything I want to do. But it's running out. I don't know what else to do. I want to make a U-turn. I want to come back home. I want to receive your love and your forgiveness and your grace. I'm just going to ask you, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to pray with you this morning. If you're in that first group and God's saying, you know what, I just need to grow closer to Him in this season, would you just raise your hand? If God's spoken that to you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Hands up all over the place. Thank you. You can put your hand up. Maybe you're in that second group and you've been walking with Him, but He's asking you to go deeper still. And there's a a next commitment that He wants from you. He wants you to serve a little bit more. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Hands up all over the place. Thank you. Maybe you're in that boat where you're still living for yourself. I want to pray for you. Do you want to make that U-turn today? Would you raise your hand if you want to make that U-turn today? I want to pray for you today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to tell us stories stories about love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy, patience. God, I thank you that you still speak to our hearts through your word today. And God, I want to pray for everybody who raised their hand, Lord that you've shown them what they need, and they need to go deeper and closer in their walk with you, I pray, God, that this week would be a week where they can reach out and they can block off some time to make you priority. God, I pray that this would be the week that they hunger and thirst for more of you. And, God, you've been waiting for that because you want to fill them to overflowing today. God, would you do it? Would you do it for those today? God, I pray for that other group that that is raising their hands to say, God, I need to do more for you. I need to serve you more. I need to go deeper with you in my walk with you. I need to risk some things and go out on a limb. And I need your help. God, that's a different appetite. Would you meet their need today? Would you give them specific places where they can go and serve you? Would you give them specific tasks that you want them to do, God? God, I know when we pray specifically, you answer specifically. God, would you do it today for them, I pray. God, I thank you for those hands that were raised that want to make a U-turn today. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody out there today that wants to make that U-turn today, that they would pray this prayer. God, I am a sinner. I've been living for self. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you welcome me back home? And would you help me live for you the rest of my life? God, I believe that you've answered those prayers today. And I believe, God, there's new salvation today for those that have prayed that prayer. Help us, God, to live in that victory today and to live knowing that you love us, that you care for us, And you will be with us every step of the way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you go, I want you to celebrate. We had people raise their hand today to accept Jesus Christ. When The Bible says when that happens, the angels in heaven rejoice and have a party.